0: Welcome to The Proletarian Contrarian, the podcast where we reevaluate bad films through a leftist perspective. I'm Nick.
1: And I'm Lewis.
0: And friends, we have a special film for you today.
1: Yes, friends. A film which only those with the highest of Thetan levels are able to watch and enjoy. A film entitled Battlefield Earth, a saga of the year 3000.
0: I mean, quite honestly, my Thetan levels are kind of low. I mean, I might need some, like, Ben Shapiro in the tropics to level out and to fully appreciate this movie. Um, but, yeah, we watched Battlefield Earth, and it was a fucking blast, quite honestly.
1: Yeah, we were not expecting to do this again, folks, where we were this contrarian uh, <laughs> two weeks in a yeah. row. But here we are.
0: Honestly, Battlefield Earth kind of edges on it's almost too much of a meme like so bad it's a good movie but we we were willing to bend the rules for this one
1: yeah you know i went back and forth on this one myself and i think the way i justify it is i don't think this is a film anyone puts on at a college party right says let's watch this the way they do a film like the room
0: Exactly, yeah, or like Birdemic, or or Sharknado, or some bullshit like that. Yeah, um, exactly. Like like ev- everyone knows that this movie is trash, but they have actually seen it in the way that they've ha- like played the room drinking game, like you were saying.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's definitely no Battlefield Earth drinking game. I think there's no real knowledge of this film besides it is some kind of Scientology propaganda, which we'll get into later, folks. Oh. Uh, yeah, but- <laughs> So this was directed by Roger Christian, who is actually an Oscar winner for uh, yes. Best Art Direction uh, for the original Star Wars.
0: Yeah, so if any of you assholes out there are going to come and swing in swinging for Battlefield Earth, but you like A New Hope, um, just, just step off right now. Because your boy, Roger Christian, this is a passion
1: project. <laughs> yeah. Your boy. Definitely. I'm sure you all love Roger Christian (laughs) more than you probably love George Lucas, honestly. I mean,
0: honestly, some of the more hardcore fans would know exactly who he is.
1: Good. I'm glad. Well, uh, he actually did a pretty good job, folks. This was kind of a passion project of not only Roger Christian, but definitely John Travolta, uh, who had been a Scientologist since like the... 70s or or 80s i mean well yeah
0: Yeah, since like the 70s and the 80s that's
1: right this this novel was actually a later uh hubbard novel actually it's it's 1982 i think
0: yeah he he wrote it when like like this this guy's a fucking crazy life like it, it 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 kind of lives up to its reputation he wrote it when he was um living in international waters i believe on, oh, on the yeah. <laughs> on the scientologist vessel like a, a, as like a a stateless sovereign individual or something right right was he um, wanted
1: at that time as well
0: yeah i, I believe that's why he was right. on the run um, incredible yeah he, he was actually a really prolific author he just like banged out these this trash like just shooting them off like day after day after day
1: yeah. So in this book, I believe is uh, over 800 pages long. Yeah. yeah. And it follows the the exploits of Johnny Goodboy Tyler, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> who is kind of a... <laughs> which is
0: a fail son name if I ever heard it. Yeah.
1: Uh, but we will get to the the fail son of this film later, folks. Uh, True. Not Johnny Goodboy. Not Johnny Goodboy. Played by Barry Pepper. Uh mm-hmm who I I think at this time, I mean, this was probably his his big break uh, in in 2000 when this movie came out.
0: What what was that other movie you told me that he was in?
1: The Three Burials of Melchiatus Estrada. uh, Okay. Tommy Lee Jones' uh, directorial debut, or at least a film he directed, uh, if not his directorial debut. Um, But that's a few years after this, even. Uh, As we said, John Schvolder... is is also in this film as Turl. He is one of the aliens, the Cyclos, uh, who have in the year 3000, uh, well I assume they invaded Earth before the year 3000, but in the year 3000 they have established a colony on Earth where they mine for gold and keep uh, humans, as they call them, man-animals, as uh, slaves.
0: Yeah, um I do know as far as production history goes, this obviously had a quite troubled um production history. And Travolta for the longest time wanted to be Johnny Goodboy. Um, but by the time that this movie got off the ground, he was too old to be like a, like a, a, a plucky, roguish, like leading leading man kind of figure. So he settled for be for being Travolta.
1: <laughs> well, you know, he's always a Johnny Goodboy to me.
0: That just might be the episode title. You're always a Johnny Good Boy to me.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah.
0: Oh, and also, um also of note is Forrest Whitaker as Kerr, um, who is Turl's uh cyclo sidekick. Cyclo kick side Yeah, it doesn't really work.
1: That's pretty good. Um, I also like that his name is Kerr and like the last syllable of his last Whittaker. name is Kerr. <laughs>
0: Whitaker. yeah, nice, nice. Um
1: that's, the, the, that's the level of analysis you get here. From. <laughs> yeah, this,
0: this is why we like this movie so much. That's the certain <laughs> So, Lewis did dig up this uh, review quote from our boy, Jonathan Rosenbaum, in the Chicago Review, where he writes To my taste, L. Ron Hubbard peaked as an imaginative writer in 1940 with yarns like Fear and Typewriter in the Sky a full decade before Dianetics turned his imagination in another direction, and several decades before his best-selling novels flattened it into thousands of pages of clod-hopping prose. This 117-minute adaptation of an 800-page sci-fi adventure for teenagers, 2000, seems like a miscalculation on multiple levels. Co-producer John Travolta is buried under what appeared to be tons of makeup and padding to create a parody of one-dimensional villainy. as And as his flunky, Forrest Whitaker, is only slightly better by virtue of retaining his belly laugh. These aliens enslave and exploit earthlings on the charred remains of earth in the, in the year 3000 while insulting them with various ret-related epithets. The atmosphere is pretty depressing, but I wouldn't describe the difference between this and the Phantom Menace as a yawning gulf. Um, that's spot on. That's great. <laughs> that's...
1: <laughs> yeah, I, um, you know, I I unfortunately did not find anything by Armand White for this one. Uh. God but I it. went to second best Jonathan Rosenbaum. You know, contrarian <laughs> to our hearts. Um, not here, though. I think he yeah. just gets it spot on. I mean, uh, yeah. this movie is is not good. I don't think we would consider this one a masterpiece no. the way we would consider uh, it's not <laughs> Return of the Swamp Thing or the Emoji Movie masterpiece. Um,
0: the, the Emoji Movie is to Armand White as Battlefield Earth is to
1: Jonathan Rosenbaum. <laughs> I'll take it. But, you know... I, I thought it was interesting too, because it seems like Jonathan Rosenbaum has some understanding of L. Ron Hubbard's work. You know, he mentions mm-hmm. these two yeah. stories that he liked of his, um, Jonathan Rosenbaum is a very literary guy. If you look at his blog, he talks mm. about books almost more than he talks about movies nowadays. Huh. Uh, he's retired from, uh, film criticism. He retired in 08, I think. Mm. Um, So I believe him when he says L. Ron Hubbard uh, peaked as an imaginative writer in 1940.
0: Yes. Um, What's interesting, not not that I know much about Hubbard, um, but he seems to be in the vein of those very fucking weirdo, kind of like early 1900s um, sci-fi fantasy authors like um, Lovecraft or uh, Robert Howard. Um, like these intensely neurotic and weirdo people whose um, who's fiction, whose genre fiction becomes like an outlet for their kind of more idiosyncratic personality bits um, the difference of course is that L. Ron Hubbard was like infinitely more charismatic than either, than either Howard or than either Howard or uh, Lovecraft and um, he was able to turn this grift into like a grift, you know, like he, he was able to monetize it and, um, uh, I
1: think you mean a religion, a real religion, Nicholas.
0: <laughs> right. The, the, eminent, the eminent Hubbard um, was able to share his his charisma <laughs> and his gifts, uh, his direct pipeline to the infinite with the world. <laughs> all, all, all of which, I guess, is to say that um, there is like a long and storied tradition of American genre writers being fucking weirdos. And it, it, it kind of makes sense that one of them um, would be the head of like a pyramid scheme
1: yeah no definitely that is the american way right there right grifting uh your Mm -hmm. way to success uh i'm just glad that the one who uh hated italians was not as successful at creating a religion just wanted to put that out there
0: (laughs) we love italians here we love italian folks we love them here in (laughs) pro um
1: but I I thought the last sentence was interesting when he talks about the Phantom Menace because I think you could yeah you can kind of um that's that's indicative of I think all of like you could say almost all of two thousands early two thousands like sci-fi like I, I would say that really none of them are that uh, you know uh, influential or or you know outstanding.
0: I'm trying to think of like other examples besides the the fucking Star Wars prequels of um of like influential sci-fis like you were saying i, I can't really think of i guess the, i guess like the matrix is sci-fi and, and that was certainly influential but um
1: yes and like, uh, like a, like i else? did have an unfortunate hot take while we were watching this film together <laughs> no um, don't you take
0: it that's mine to say that's mine that's mine to call you on okay, don't don't you dare okay, fine we'll, we'll say it what, I going, <laughs> what i was going what i was going to say Were you gonna get there no, no, well, not yet, but, like, what what I was going to say is, like, w- besides, like, The Matrix and the Star Wars prequels, like, what else is there from the late 90s or the 2000s in terms of sci-fi, like, influential sci-fi, like, fucking uh, Independence Day like, or, or, like, yeah. Stargate or the hell ever?
1: Yeah, I, I think in general sci-fi of that era, um, it was on the precipice of you know, an era where they just started, um, using CGI and trying to understand what, how CGI should interface, um, in, in, in genre pictures. Um, and then, you know, in the world we live in now where CGI, you know, rules it all, you know, um, CGI rules everything around me cream, right? You know, like (laughs) it's true.
0: And, um, I'm going to fucking stand for the star Wars prequels. Um, jar jar was groundbreaking jar jar was great episode one is arguably the best star wars prequel there i said it
1: yeah let's let's get the pitchforks out um
0: <laughs> uh, i i think you mean um the boombas
1: i i i repent i do mean the boombas. <laughs> yes thank you
0: well, the, 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 let's get the gaffy sticks out those are more equivalent to uh, pitchforks
1: cool great um uh, anyway back to battlefield back, back to battlefield earth <laughs> Uh yeah, so for all the ineptitude that went into this film, I I don't think it's as loathsome um or as as boring or you know as as sloppy as people say it is. Um there were some genuinely interesting sequences. Mm -hmm. Um I also think like the the amount of canted angles that everybody uh always uh, associated with this film and how the director didn't know what he was doing. So he just did all these canted angles. I, I was never taken out of the film by the canted angles. I I, I, like, I think he was, I think it was fine, probably more than your average movie, but you know, it wasn't every shot.
0: There were definitely some instances where the canted angles really worked for the film. Um, the cyclos were weird and unsettling and doing the canted angles really made that come across more. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that would have made me really hate this movie would be if it was like straight up Scientology propaganda and um, it's either incredibly effective propaganda or it's not propaganda at all. Cause I didn't notice that shit. Like it's.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be interested in reading this book. I wouldn't be oh interested God, no. in yeah. going to my local like Scientology temple after seeing this movie. Like yes. I would just think that's eh, fucking weird. All right. That's it. That's I mean, that's all I thought. I was like, this is a weird movie. It's, you know, it's oddly patriotic, and we'll talk about that later. Um, uh,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, even even that was pretty subdued, it, it, relatively speaking. It, it wasn't, like, it wasn't really over the top or anything.
1: No, I mean, there was no, like, yeah, there was no American flag or, like, bald eagle or anything like that. But, I mean, mm-hmm. some of the landmarks, and some yeah of the, which is yeah. ridiculous but um so my
0: first favorite thing about this movie is uh what it prompted lewis to say in the first 15 or 20 minutes of the runtime um it was we were early on yes i can I yeah can we, account for that. we were watching this one uh together um together again and <laughs> it was the middle of this like some chasing and lewis just drops a on. but he says this hot take this movie is not worse than the Matrix." <laughs> Which might be the most molten take from Procon yet. Um, I mean, the Emoji Movie episode as a whole is, is pretty spicy, but that that's in contention.
1: Yeah, this is actually now turned into our April Fool's episode, where now we just rag on a well-beloved movie, actually. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, folks, for the last 15 minutes, we fucking fooled you. This is actually a Matrix uh, episode. <laughs>
0: That would actually be kind of funny, that, but that that would only work for, if we released this in April Fools, and we're, yeah, of course we're, we're only. There's no way in hell so. we
1: are going to. Sorry, yeah. folks. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah this uh, this movie. Another, another good thing, um, another another backhanded uh, good aspect of this movie is is that it uh, it killed its production company.
1: Yeah, so franchise pictures, uh, which was founded, I think, in like '98. 99 right before this film Um, although there were maybe five or six pictures they made before this film Uh, boondock saints is actually one of the films that they made right before this Um, yeah so they had some actually successful films now boondock saints was not successful in its original run it was only successful on dvd and the cult status but films like the whole nine yards and art of war um, with wesley snipes Those were successful films of theirs. However, they released two of the worst films, you know, in quotation marks of all time, being Battlefield Earth. Yeah. AKA Best Battlefield Earth and Ballistics X Verse Sever.
0: Oh my God. Which is going to be episode 50 or 100 or something for for us. Definitely.
1: So, yeah, Franchise Pictures has a pretty batshit crazy history. It was founded by a former dry cleaning. Mogul turned nightclub owner named Eli samaha who uh, at one point or still might be married to the uh, the love interest in wayne's world uh, yeah uh
0: tia, tia karari they they got divorced since then but um yeah the, the the actress who played the wayne's world the wayne's world love interest and and also uh, nani from lilo and stitch
1: Oh, I didn't know she was still acting. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah, so this guy created franchise pictures and um, basically after the box office flops that were Battlefield Earth and Ballistics X for Sever, the FBI started investigating independent studios um, in regards to inflating their budget to their investors um, so they could just basically scam them out of millions um and uh yeah franchise pitchers went under eventually Uh, (laughs) it was a a lawsuit that started in 2000 and um yeah in in 2004 they they lost uh that lawsuit uh to the tune of like 12 million um with certain personal fees that uh Samaha had to pay something like seventy seven million and Jesus. uh yeah, by two thousand seven they they filed for chapter eleven bankruptcy.
0: Hollywood's fucking weird. Like the way wh- where does money come from?
1: You know, like it's
0: like Planet Cyclo, is that where we're- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean I it, it can't just come from the dry cleaning and the nightclub business. Like God, Jesus, I, I don't yeah. I don't
0: get it. So yeah, anyway the <clears throat> The plot, such as it is of Battlefield Earth, is that um, the Cyclos invaded Earth. The Cyclos are an alien race uh, who invaded Earth um, sometime between the year 2000 and 3000. I don't think it's ever really specified.
1: No, um, but like malls and, and putt-putt golf are still a thing, so. I but it, it it
0: is the year 3000 when the movie takes place.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is strange because all that all that stuff persists for hundreds of years. But anyway, um, humanity has regressed into like a, a kind of primordial um, caveman state, whereas the cyclos rule the earth um, and they have a colony over the ruins of Denver, Colorado, which is oddly specific, and. Um, they use the, the, the man-animals for slave labor to mine gold. Um, is it ever really emphasized or, or like explained
1: why they want gold in particular? I was going to ask you the same question, so no, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think it is. I,
0: I did read the Wikipedia summary of the novel, and apparently other alien races exist in the novel, and gold is the galactic currency. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But honestly, like... I don't know necessarily about currency, but um, as like a resource, gold makes sense because it doesn't corrode. It doesn't really break down. It, it's a very effective conductor. Um, it's, it's very rare, which makes it valuable. So I can go along with the idea that there is a relative, um, a relatively large amount of gold on Earth, um, and that's why they're there. So, but they don't really like, go in that sci-fi tech direction.
1: No, they don't. I mean, we never see them using said gold in any of their technology. Um, we don't see we really don't even see it being mined in mass. We just see them pretending to mine at a later point in the story right. for plot detail we'll talk about.
0: yeah, so so basically we we, we meet Johnny Goodboy, um, Tyler, who's your, your standard like caveman, warrior, hunter guy who who dreams of like a bigger life or whatever um and there's there's this shadowy vague threat of of, what do they call them the the gods the cyclos
1: yeah they call them um the gods and we don't see them until maybe 15 20 minutes in after johnny good boy uh takes off for what why does he leave the colony
0: um he he's presented as like a skeptic who's like we we can learn from the gods or we can like we can not really overcome them but like they're there and we should go meet them like they they can teach us things i think so like weirdly this, this movie kind of has like a weird new atheist vibe to it it's kind of like it's kind of like there there is no god there's just progressively more advanced uh, life forms and, and everything can be empirically explained.
1: Yeah. Does that, I don't know. Does that like sync up with Scientology? I know nothing about Scientology.
0: Uh, yeah. We, <laughs> this is the limit of our research folks. Just uh, perusing the Wikipedia page of um, L. Ron Hubbard. But um, actually I think that tracks. Cause like there's that whole thing where they believe in Xenu and like aliens. Right. And, right. So yeah, I, I guess this is kind of low grade. Uh, Scientology propaganda
1: yeah emphasis on low grade again like yeah. I, I don't know how many people were converted after watching this movie
0: no we, we were that's it um, <laughs> uh, but w- one thing with the whole caveman sequences and they 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 carry this motif throughout the film which I enjoyed um, Barry Pepper as Johnny Goodboy he commits to this role he, he's like a live wire he um he crouches and then jumps and like scuttles around like Gollum or something he he's like this Crow Magnon hopped up on for Loco, just kinda like <laughs> whirling and twisting around and he moves in a very bestial way. He truly is a man animal, which was kinda cool. And a lot of the other um a lot of the other extras and kinda like tertiary characters that I I couldn't rem- remember their names if I tried. They they have the same kind of um Gollum kinetic movement, which I enjoyed.
1: Yeah, it was interesting throughout the film he meets at least two or three other like uh, tribes basically mm-hmm. of of man um who have different looks to them, some have like tattoos or war paint yeah. on their face um and they have different views on the gods themselves um when he first meets there's two other in the Chrome... in the mini golf course, yeah, when he meets the two in the mini golf course um i i I forget what their their views on like the gods are, but they're, they're different. I think they, they know that they're like just aliens, I think, or they've had interactions with them.
0: Yeah. They know they're aggressive at least like they're the, they know that the gods are like, they're not benign. They're, they're, they're harmful.
1: Right. Cause they, they run away from them in once they get from the, the, uh, mini golf to the mall sequence uh, they they hear the cyclos coming and they run away from them and uh, I think this is when I said the matrix thing <laughs>
0: yes yes when when Johnny Goodboy and these two other random assholes that he meets are running through a still standing abandoned mall that has stood for 800 years like when, when Turl is chasing them you're like oh this is like better than the matrix
1: <laughs> <laughs> crucify me folks all right uh, um, yeah throw me in the the volcano like Xenu did <laughs> yes anxiety
0: exactly. to planet cyclo um <laughs> but the, the mall scene is kind of cool um it had cool lighting there was like this eerie green phosphorescence that that kind of fell across everything Turtle, it, it, There's no way that Travolta did this himself in 2000, but like, the the extra playing turtle kind of like lumbers along and smashes through windows and shit, and is shooting lasers after Barry. And yeah, it it was it was creepy. It was it was cool.
1: Yeah, I I think I had said uh, while we were watching this that it felt like a scene end of Terminator or like the original Predator. Honestly, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really see. The cyclos, you just see that they're they're larger than man. They they're not as fast exactly, um, but they're still you know these intimidating forces. Um, they have you know this this gun technology that can basically vaporize you, you know blow like a hole through you. So um, it was yeah it was a pretty well done scene and it, uh, it kept me interested. And uh, even when we do finally see the cyclos like I they're an interesting design, the mm-hmm. characters themselves um, they're different from the book and what I could glean from like old covers of the book like yeah, um, yeah. they're they're much larger and like hairier in the book um, and more alien looking than than hu- humanoid.
0: Um, I do think the makeup in the hair, the wigs that was kind of, kind of wonky and kind of goofy. Um, but I, I do think they, they, they compensated for that with, um, again, those, those off maligned uh, canted angles coming into play. Um, the canted angles sell their size, like through the editing without actually getting 10 foot tall people to play these cyclos. Um, and they were really brutish and really brutal in a way, and um the cavemen were the cavemen were like terrified of them and that all that kind of came together. There's like this this atmosphere that really sold them as like giant orcs or something that, that were intimidating.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think like you said, they used the canted angles uh really well. And um they they used just in general, just a lot like like the Lord of the Rings film did using just practical effects and, and just shooting techniques, basically, to accentuate the, you know, the, um, the, the, the mass and figure of, of these of the cyclos.
0: I think it's called forced perspective when you do that trick of like a, a larger actor or, or the, the character that's supposed to be bigger is placed closer to you. And the person who's supposed to be smaller is placed farther away, but you angle it correctly so that it looks like one is actually more massive than the other.
1: Well, folks, the apprentice has become the master. <laughs> <laughs> I am no longer it, needed.
0: Only because it's related to uh, Lord of the Rings, because I, I have that, uh, that shooting <laughs> visual guide in, in my bookshelf over there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Johnny Goodboy is taken, taken captured, uh, taken prisoner by Turl, along with all the other cavemen that he hooked up with. Um, they're flown over to Denver, um, that the side of the cyclo home base, um, and they're put to work in the mines and they're, they're all thrown to prison. And, um, the film really does devote a lot of time to Turl himself. He, he becomes a pretty central, uh, player in the story, probably because Travolta was playing him, but the, the non turl aspects of like the middle third of this movie just show, um... Johnny Good boy learning about um cyclotechnology.
1: yeah the the turtle stuff you know um, really scene by scene, I kind of vacillated between this is fucking stupid and this is fucking hilarious, yes, this is fucking great, like yes. um there was no in between it was there were scenes where you just you thought this is what you cut out like this is this is unnecessary yeah this is this is something that is you know a deleted scene in the special features but then there were stuff where you're just like you know what let 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 john travolta have it he waited 20 to 30 years for this fucking thing let him have it fine you know let, it's yours let just John travolta ham it up
0: f- let john travolta flirt with a female cyclo who has like an eight inch long tongue who's in, his
1: in, wife at the time who, actually i looked let, that up that actress was his wife at the time maybe his wife now I don't know
0: let John Travolta flirt on screen with his wife in their cyclo bondage get up and like, <laughs> in like and do their weird cyclo mating ritual on screen
1: that is uh that's gonna be my first policy proposal when I run in uh 2028 yeah that's the next that's when I would be able to run for president <laughs> 2028.
0: Doxing ourselves every day, folks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. Like the the core of the story has some really interesting um, like power play in politicking among the cyclos, like Turl versus Kerr, Kerr versus Turl, Turl and Kerr versus the cyclo-dignitaries from the cyclo home planet, the cyclo-dignitaries kind of like squabbling among themselves. Um that that that's kind of how I, like how you can tell even though L. Ron Hubbard's a maniac he he has some talent cuz like the, the idea like the nuts and bolts of the narrative are pretty interesting these like backstabbings within backstabbings within backstabbings um on top of the human rebellion kind of fomenting beneath it like it's solid stuff it's 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 pulpy solid stuff but it's there um it's just the the presentation really uh varies <laughs> on screen yeah
1: definitely no the the palace intrigue stuff is the only reason that i was interested to go back to the churl and cyclo mm-hmm. uh perspective of the For film sure. uh and then of course like you said the the rebellion you know aspect and then um the the prison break aspect of the um the the man animal storyline is really the only reason to go back to them um johnny good boy uh his his education if you will yes. is yes. um probably the most interesting about thing about
0: this <laughs> he gets radical he gets blackpilled by youtube basically <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah he gets he gets blackpilled by by cyclo youtube where he sees um the face of god and realizes this all has to end
0: <laughs> yeah um johnny good boy is like the most resilient and most resourceful prisoner that Turl ever had. So Turl decides to um, zap like cyclo lessons into his brain.
1: And yeah, actually, he basically, does like the Ludovico treatment to him. Yeah,
0: it is. Um, and actually, there is another alien that's his like holographic teacher.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The cook.
0: <laughs> yeah, that guy, because he's like, oh, the, the cyclos destroyed our race, but they're so magnificent, and now I'm going to teach you everything. But yeah, Tur- Turl wants to use um, Johnny Goodboy as like the overseer for the other humans and and get them to mine gold because they found because Kerr and Turl had found um, a load of gold somewhere relatively close to to Denver.
1: Right. Yeah, they found this one deposit um, of gold. It was that... near near Fort Knox. Near Fort Knox, and it. Um there's like a certain trace uh, of like radiation there.
0: I, I think it's because it's near Fort Knox, the, the radiation from the nukes in Fort Knox has started to leak out and radiation like ha, has like this very strong and very instantaneous reaction with the cyclo gas that they breathe from their home planet. Cause they, yeah. they wear, they wear, they have to wear breathers when they're, when they're in an oxygen environment like earth.
1: Yeah. And that's another interesting thing. Um, the, the, the hard sci-fi elements of the story. Now, I imagine there are more hard sci-fi elements to the book, but in the movie, the cyclos have to breathe through those masks. Uh, The humans have to breathe through their own masks when they're in the cyclo environment. Mm -hmm. And then the cyclos, um, they mention the gravity of Earth is hard on them. Um, There's a few just, you know, dialogue Beats mm-hmm. um, and, and and plot beats when it comes to the actual you know breathing apparatus um, that that are more hard sci-fi. So I appreciated that. It's something that's overlooked I think a lot when things are adapted to film um, because you know again it's easier just to um, write these lines in a book than it is to show them in the right. movie. And you know again they they don't show it as well as they 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 tell it. In the movie. Um, what
0: was interesting about the cyclo breathing apparatus and their gear up, their get up in general, it really reminded me of the still suits from, from the David Lynch Dune adaptation, um, <laughs> which is another movie we'll get to, uh, which I, Hell yeah. I, I have a lot of fondness for the Dune adaptation, the Lynch adaptation of Dune. Um, but yeah, like, like you were saying the the cyclo tech and aesthetic, it's pre- it's pretty interesting. It's, it's a good, um, it's a good two thousands era, update and depiction of like late 70s early 80s kind of matte painting sci-fi aesthetic um the 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 dome city of denver um looks really cool um the, the cyclo prison ships their their fighters are, are cool their guns are pretty unique there's like a top barrel and a bottom barrel but they hold it sideways sometimes but not when it. Not when they're doing another kind of configuration. It's weird and it's alien, which is cool. And equally as, as effective in showing how alien they are, um, the humans, the cave, the cave people, they're very afraid of the technology. You um, know, it, it, it was that human response to the to the overwhelming like awesome power of this alien tech that sold it more than the actual tech itself for me
1: yeah definitely no i think um Barry pepper and the rest of the uh the actors who who played the the humans the man animals uh did a good job of really conveying that 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 sheer terror um anytime a cyclo was on screen or any anytime you know they were put in um say something like you know the the slave ships or or um there's a scene later in the film where they're they escape their prison um the the human prison actually is interesting it almost looks like like horse stables yeah. that have been like um yeah. then you know kind of reconfigured to to human uh to to a jail basically um like it has like these giant troughs uh, where they yep. they eat like this like porridge like sludge out with of with their hands <laughs> with their hands yeah they obviously don't have any kind of utensils um there's a, there's a scene where like Johnny Goodboy uh has to fight this one guy cuz he's you know the the, the head honcho in, in yeah. their cell, and he like, he's like, I eat first, and then everybody else eats second. uh So Johnny Goodboy beats his ass, but he doesn't kill him, and he's like, no, we all eat together. And I was like, is this film socialist? I can't tell. <laughs> and it's not, it, I folks, mean, this,
0: the Cyclos are literally, the Cyclo villain, he, he's ruthlessly exploiting his slaves to dig gold, and like, they, they fight back by like, <laughs> by blowing up the gold. at the oh, spoiler alert, but like they fight spoiler back alert. by like destroying <laughs> capital. Like <it's, laughs> there's a God help me. Uh Zenu help me. There's a fucking uh socialist reading to this thing.
1: Yeah, that's the weird part about it, folks, is that there is an anti capitalist and and even uh more so an anti colonialist message to this film. The the idea of the the exploitation, the ext- extraction of these resources and the destruction of uh, humans and human capital is, is a big part of this movie um, it's uh, it's just it's it's still Battlefield Earth unfortunately it's and, it, propaganda and it's, at the end of the it's day. still propaganda written by L. Ron Hubbard um, so as we've mentioned Fort Knox uh, plays a part uh, in this film um, the Library of Congress does as well uh, as does the Declaration of Independence
0: the, the original <laughs> <laughs> like the original parchment of the declaration yeah. of independence. Um, cause, cause Turl takes Johnny Goodboy to the Capitol. Like, like, like to, to like crush his spirit or whatever. He's like, Oh, like this is the great, Yeah. He says like, this is the greatest achievement of your people that like ever existed. And look at it now. And like, it's the, the most powerful
1: tribe, the most powerful nation on earth couldn't stand up to us. Um, yeah, even specifically says like that the cyclos wipe them out in a matter of like hours or something. That, yeah. like, the human race was just decimated immediately. With the implication that obviously America is the greatest country. So if, if they
0: couldn't stand up to the cyclos, who could?
1: Right. And, you know, one could even assume that America is the where the colony is and that's it, like that the rest of the world, the world's population has been completely eradicated, whereas some Americans at least, you know, existed and, and survived for thousands of years.
0: In the novelization, I remember this from the plot summary, there are, um, they're they're not really named, they're, they just like show up or, or they're just mentioned, but there are Chinese human survivors and there are Australian human survivors as
1: well. Oh, you know what? I did look that up. That's right. Cuz yeah. they they go to like they even go to like Scotland or something like in the book. Like I think Scotland they travel yep. abroad. Well, in they the book they itself. they
0: have the they have the ship. They have the cyclo ship so they can go really fast. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because because Johnny Goodboy has some degree of autonomy cuz he's he's like he's like the, the overseer of the humans.
1: Right. Yeah. So, in the movie version John Travolta actually hates all other uh, races on earth folks and all other nationalities. So like, nah, next that part, Mr. Travolta, you are canceled, sir. <laughs> um, Allegedly, this is what happened. This isn't real. Don't sue us, please.
0: John Travolta, you're, you're canceled anyway. That, that's not a, that's not a, you can't litigate over that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so moving on, um, Johnny Goodboy is is the overseer in charge of the other humans uh, mining this load of gold uh, at Fort Knox. Um, Turl and Kerr are keeping watch with robotic sentries, but they can't get close themselves because of the radiation would blow them up from the inside or whatever. So Johnny Goodboy, because he has the special Black Pill YouTube knowledge in his head, he's able to formulate this plan where... Um, they have a diversionary team of people pretend to mine for gold, like like 10% of his workforce, while like 90% goes to Fort Knox itself. Or is it like the Pentagon or something?
1: No, it's Fort Knox.
0: Yeah, yeah like they go into Fort Knox and they access the United States armory inside, including like well-kept and maintained like AK, like M16s uh well kept and maintained fighter jets like F22s and completely intact uh fighter simulation training modules Hell for the know. caveman to learn how to fly F22s and operate their their weapons platforms and everything okay.
1: and not just one but numerous cavemen learn they they
0: form rogue, rogue squadron they? basically they yeah. form a caveman rogue squadron <laughs> and they're like yeah this is like this is just like breaking in a horse like oh it's all easy well, i've got your tail sir Like <laughs> the, these illiterate cavemen learn how to fly like f-22s and um and well, they, one's they,
1: literate you know one the one who learns first johnny good boy does do everything first and yeah he, 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 he teaches them, te- teaches he, teaches does, them shapes. He, he blackpills <laughs> the rest of them <laughs> he teaches them like triangles and circles yeah that's right he's got to start small yeah. but that's right he does explain that a triangle has three sides so I guess like so you can have your children watch this film folks it's a very educational
0: I guess like the Sargon of Akkad knowledge that was like implanted in his brain taught him how to teach people faster mm. Yeah. like not not that. only did he learn but he learned how to like impart that more efficiently so yeah um the, 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 the revolution kind of comes together um they form like this really complex—not not really complex—but they they form a plan like this like multi-stage plan where um, they have to destroy the dome of the, the cyclo dome over Denver. They have to bring a nuke to the teleportation pad that goes back to the cyclo home planet, and they have to they have to inspire all the other humans to revolt all at the same time. And of course, they they do that. It works. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this film is basically national treasure, plus War of the Worlds, plus mm-hmm. that one Planet of the Apes movie where all the apes rebel against the human beings. Also,
0: uh, a little bit of Shawshank Redemption.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, it's this movie is nothing if not pastiche, mm. for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. And I think, I think that really comes out in this adaptation more so than the actual book. Not, not to, again, defend the literary merits of like L. Ron Hubbard, but like, um, you definitely get the sense that the, the plot was, um, Hollywood, uh, like streamlined for Hollywood very much.
1: Yeah. I mean, as Jonathan Rosenbaum said, 800 plus pages down to 117 minutes, um, Unfortunately, you know, they don't have that scene where they go to, you know, Ireland and, and meet the IRA. Uh, but <laughs> this movie is leftist like they, they recruit <laughs> IRA partisans or something.
0: Um, anyway, yeah, they they Johnny Goodboy Tyler commits genocide and he, he explodes a uh, planet cyclo with a nuke. Which ignites the atmosphere and blows up the planet core because the cyclos can't have radiation on their planet.
1: But Um, it's not Johnny Goodboy. Johnny Goodboy has the idea, but some other cyclo, uh, uh, sorry, some other man animal human whose brother was killed by a cyclo, he does the suicide bomb because Johnny Goodboy has to survive because he has to lead the rebellion. In the sequel, that never happened. He looked like a caveman Ron Weasley a little
0: bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did, but I mean, it was Johnny Goodboy Tyler's plan. He 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 dictated this. He, he's just as guilty as pulling the trigger as as Ron Weasley was.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. No. I mean, there's 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 culpability there. Yeah. Um,
0: um Turl survives, of course, because I guess they were kind of hinting at a sequel. Like Turl Turl survives in captivity whereas Kerr had betrayed him, and Kerr was the only good cyclo.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So I had read that they wanted to make an anime sequel, actually. An like, anime uh, sequel to... An anime miniseries. That would actually...
0: That would track. That would... that would I could see it.
1: Yeah, I I actually wish it happened, but yeah. it did not. Um, we would have seen more of Kerr, I imagine. We would have seen more of uh, Forrest Whitaker, who... Uh, like Jonathan Rosebaum says, uh, is actually decent in this movie. And uh, and folks, um, if you're wondering, he is our fail son.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, Johnny Goodboy Tyler is our like he's kind of like a fashy figure. Like he, he leads his people to glory and rebellion and he's like he he's like the uber- Ubermensch above the rest of the humans. Uh Turl is very much a Ben Shapiro figure. He
1: is—he
0: <laughs> is an overachieving, backstabbing, pedantic, sexually frustrated, whiny nerd. Um, not that, I and mean, I'm not going to accuse Ben Shapiro of being a sex pest. O- among the things we could, ac- ac- among the things we could accuse Ben Shapiro of, we can't say that he's a sex pest. But Charles, the character, is a sex pest.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it's written in even in into the into the film itself. He is supposed to. Uh, go back to Planet Cyclo at one point, cause he's like the security director of the colony on Earth. Yeah, he's or something the head like of, head that. of security, I think. Yeah, so he's done a certain amount of cycles, uh, on on Earth, and he's just about to get back to Cyclo. But um, as that delegation from Cyclo comes down, they they tell him you're gonna be here for another fifty cycles. Yeah. and then they mention like something about. A senator who wants him to stay there and he's like, I didn't know that was the senator's daughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the only
0: un Ben Shapiro like 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 aspect to him. Like, like the rest of him, he he's just this like he quibbles about like the definitions of words with Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> Remember that part? He he's like, Yeah, th- he does this bullshit thing, which I can totally see Ben Shapiro doing. He's like He's like,
1: oh, I
0: didn't say that I betray you. I said that I wouldn't lie about betraying you. And I, I technically didn't lie. So fuck you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He does it to the bartender. Also, there's a bartender, um, in their colony who like gives him this information, um, you know, about different people. Um, again, part of this kind of the palace intrigue aspect of the film. And, uh, Right before he's about to leave to Planet Cyclo, the the bartender's like, "So you're gonna like uh you know expunge my record for the I don't know some shady things he's done in the past, whatever." And he's like, "Well, I said I would do that as long as you kept giving me good info, but now that you're not able to give me any info about people since I'm leaving, uh, you know, I can't do that anymore. And I never said I was your friend, It's yeah. Oh my god, it's
0: it's such like a prager you like pedantic like splitting of well I, I said this but i technically didn't say that oh and uh, by the way yeah that johnny good boy tyler he wasn't blackpilled by youtube he was blackpilled by prager you that makes more sense <laughs> bring it back bring it back folks
1: yeah he watched uh he watched the the one about um work ethic by mike Rowe. and oh uh, my god he was like you know what this this slavery thing is is bad folks jesus christ um just kidding. Micro would actually be pro slavery. Yeah. <laughs> Micro,
0: what for you? We'll do a pro con TV show about dirty jobs.
1: Yeah. Although I think Citations Needed basically did that. But, um, oh yeah. Shout hey, out. boys, have us on. Shout out
0: Citations Needed. We love you. Um,.
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: Um oh yeah, the also Johnny Goodboy has a love interest who has a completely thankless role. She has like five lines. Oh um, yeah. I forgot about her at she, all. It's not um, a role. She's like, hey, you, know, you can be a Scientologist. You don't have to be gay. Like we're we're totally straight.
1: You get yeah. you get a cave. Well the girlfriend. only reason that she exists is for leverage later in the film. So there's one portion of the film where uh, Turl and Kerr are trying to figure out like how we can get leverage over the man animals, and they're like, "Okay, this is what we're gonna do." It's a, this was the funniest shit to me, and I, I did not understand how this wasn't cut from the film. This is uh, insane. This, this <laughs> Turl is like, "Okay, we're gonna let three of these man animals out, and we're gonna figure out what their favorite food is, <laughs> and then we're gonna." Have- gonna keep that as leverage over them we're gonna get their favorite food and we're gonna dangle it in front of them like a fucking carrot on a stick (laughs) we're gonna
0: we're gonna sew little cameras into the buttons of their clothes and like yeah we're gonna observe them just like shove this trash in their pig faces and we're gonna like we're gonna see what they like the most
1: yeah. So they go camping. They go on this little camping expedition and they just eat rats because that's the only thing that's there. Yeah. So Terrell Kerr are like oh shit they oh, love rats. I like rats. <laughs> <laughs> but then this is after mm-hmm. uh Johnny Goodboy's been blackpilled a bit, so he's smart enough to realize what the cameras are yeah, or yeah, that yeah, there's some yeah. kind of technology. So he takes his out and he takes everybody else's out. Yeah. Um and I, they escape for a certain period of time here. Don't they meet another tribe of ma- men at this, at this point?
0: You got all this shit kind of blends together. It's it's
1: yeah. The middle it, portion of it, this it film really, is, is a blur. It's a
0: real blur. Cause like it, it, it's clearly like episodic uh, moments from an 800 page narrative that they kind of like chop and rearrange. Yeah, but the rat um, shit is great. It's rat like, shit, yeah, it's, it's it's so good.
1: It doesn't work, of course. Like, there's no leverage. They don't eat rats. They don't care about the rat meat. But once the they find. His girlfriend, because she, she's like, oh man, Johnny Goodboy didn't come back, but his horse came back. Because yeah. yeah. his horse got scared in the mall scene and then took, like, you know, weeks to come back, I guess, to their their encampment. So she takes the horse and she goes towards, you know, uh, sh- to follow Johnny Goodboy's trail. So uh, ostensibly, she gets captured by the Cyclos. Yeah. yeah. A- and then she's used as leverage for Johnny and uh, his team to. To mine the gold that's near Fort Knox. Yeah. We're we're telling this out of out of uh, out of turn, folks. But like it doesn't it doesn't matter. It deserves
0: to be told out of turn. I mean that that's the movie. <laughs> they they fucking fight back and they they blow up the planet, They kill them all and that's it. Yeah. Um, so
1: I I think my argument for this film not being anti-capitalist and anti-colonialist is that the things that defeat capitalism. And colonialism are are products of previous capitalism and colonialism aka america american exceptionalism mm-hmm. you know fighter jets yep, used yep. in the gulf war yep. uh nukes used after world war ii like these are the things that that defeat another oppressor
0: it's, so it's mythologized. it's like mythologizing in a way it's like the, yeah like the, the, the sword of our forefathers will strike down these new invaders so yeah it, it is pretty like classically fascist, i think
1: yeah so um this film has you know some hints at leftism but it's it's closer to uh i guess like nazbol bullshit so yeah get out of here
0: yeah i guess one last thing before we get to workers of note that i do want to note is um this movie was bad, and it was inept and I wouldn't watch it again, but it was nowhere near as terrible as the internet film discourse around it had led me to believe this movie came out in two thousand as as we've noted in and, and back in like the early days of of online kind of forum discussion film film board discussion um this movie quickly became infamous. And that, that reputation definitely proceeds, uh, definitely persists to today in the, in, in pro con's (laughs) opinion, the, the the online film discourse hasn't gotten any better today. Really. Um, It's, it's, it relies on hyperbole and it relies on um, out of hand statements and out of hand perspectives um, with very little room for nuance that, that we try to bring to the game. So, all that said, I'm not. I'm not going to really come to the defense, like the, the hard defense of uh, of Battlefield Earth in the way that Lewis might. Um, but I will say that the film criticism and the the film cons- the, the internet consensus on this movie um, is ridiculous and is not accurate to the actual film's content
1: yeah uh, just to comment on uh what uh Nick perceives as my love of this film uh, <laughs> i i am obligated to love it because my Dianetics uh thetan levels are mm-hmm. a level nine just like mr travolta's
0: well uh I said at the start of this episode that my thetan levels are pretty my t levels are pretty low that's why I need the new tropics to super
1: <laughs> yeah when you get to this level like you just you mm-hmm. see in uh you see in four d you know, I was experiencing this film right in a level that you're, you know, unable to. So I am the cur to your turtle. That's true. It's good. Or as my grandmother pronounced, uh, "toilet turlet.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> <Hell> yes.
1: <laughs> um. Um. But there are people who made this movie <laughs> who <laughs> deserve to term. be. <laughs> Uh, they deserve a shout out. you let's, deserve to be put in the fucking this. gulag. <laughs> <laughs> First in the gulag is John Travolta. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, second is his wife for that scene. That's just that was unfortunate. His wife. No the, one should see the, that. Please the skip mutant that scene. Cyclo, <laughs>
0: the elongated tongue. Um, yeah. but for real, we we do have a number of um, effects people. Uh, Costume design people. Um, So for the costume design department, we have Patrick Tatopoulos, costume design, Francesca Chamberlain, costume supervisor, James P. Cullen, costumer, Giselle Garneau, key dresser, Maurice Pepino, wardrobe assistant slash assistant dresser, and Sarah Rubano, specialty costume
1: fabrication. And uh, from the effects uh, standpoint, uh, I wanted to highlight people who um, did the matte painting Mm -hmm. for this. Um, So for those of you who are not in the know, uh, matte paintings are actual hand-drawn paintings on glass um, that are usually put in front of the camera between Um, what is being filmed um, to give you a sense of perspective to add either scenery or characters in that um, you couldn't do with actual people or with sets or with production because it would be too costly so you know a lot of Star Wars is matte paintings um, with miniatures basically so we have a few shots in this film that are matte paintings and we have some that are, because this is the year 2000, both actual paintings and then uh, digital matte paintings as well. Ooh, that's really cool. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go through that when I go through these um, individuals. So um, for matte painting, um, we have two people. We have David Bailey, who was a matte painter. And then we have Robert Stromberg, who is a matte painting supervisor. Mm. So, those two, I imagine, actually did matte painting, right. hand-painted on glass. The other two are matte artists, uh, Robert Shifo and Patrick Zentis. Um, and I think the distinction between the matte painter and the matte artist is that the matte artists most likely did some kind of digital version of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just digital artwork um, that was then put in through green screen technology. Um I can't tell. I don't remember exactly um the the shots, but um there were there was a, a substantial number of of matte shots in this film.
0: I remember there was one really cool one. Um one of one of our few glimpses of planet Cyclo. I think it's the first time we see the planet. Um we, we both kind of like perked up and were like, oh that looks kind of cool. Um it looked very it looked very much like a matte pan- Like it was obviously a matte painting or a matte composite image or whatever. Um so that one, uh, definitely the bigger shots of Denver. I imagine mm-hmm. uh, Denver with yeah. the with the wall of glass around it. Um,
1: and I yeah, and I think when um, when Johnny Goodboy meets the two um, the two other man animals before they go to the mall sequence, when you see downtown Denver yeah. with all the vegetation mm-hmm. and the decay. I think that's a matte painting as well. Yeah,
0: but yeah, it's cool stuff. Um, I imagine Roger Christian brought his expertise as a as a whatever as a art director from Star Wars: a New Hope. Um, he probably brought some of that over to this movie. Um, definitely one of one of the unambiguously good good little bits of this of this film. Um, so, Lewis, who would you recommend Battlefield Earth to?
1: Uh, yeah, so I would start with our broke recommendation of uh, those interested in learning more about the immortal science of uh, Scientology, of course. Yeah,
0: we, we are no longer Marxist-Leninists. We've seen the light. Um, we are Scientologists, and uh, it, it's the blueprint for human advancement, folks. Um,
1: yeah, If you thought going clear was escaping Scientology, boy, do we have news for you.
0: (laughs) We're going cloudy. (laughs) Uh, Woke recommendation. Um, Barry Pepper completionists, for all of you out there. Uh, Basically, if you've seen a John Travolta performance, you've seen this. Just imagine him doing an affected nasally voice, and you've got it.
1: Yeah, and like we said at the top of the episode, Go see, or we had mentioned at least, but now I'm telling you to go see um, the three burials of Melchiora Estrada um, In these troubled times of you know uh, conflicts at the uh, the the border to the south of the United States, um, it is it's a great film, folks. Let's uh, let's be honest. Um, there's probably no other good Barry Pepper movie except that one. <laughs> in this one, of course, of course, of course, Battlefield Earth. By completionist, we just met these two films. <laughs>
0: yes. I mean, those might be the only two Barry Pepper films in the world.
1: <laughs> no offense, Barry. We love you. We love you, Barry. Your last name's great. Yeah. Um, uh, and then our bespoke is uh, anyone who has an axe to grind with lame-ass YouTube film critics. Um, I believe, uh, Nicholas, you might have um, some something to uh, say about that.
0: This whole episode
1: was um, a really long excuse
0: to get to this moment where we could just shit on YouTube film critics because we hate them, and um, one in particular. I'd like to issue a fatwa against uh, movie Bob Bob Chipman. There. <laughs> I got into I got into a Twitter tussle with Movie Bob, and he said that people who destroy robot Amazon robots, are sociopaths. And I said, no, it's good because you, direct action against Amazon is not a bad thing. And then he insinuated that I was a virtue. He, he insinuated that I was virtue signaling about being an anti-SJW, anti-feminist who melts action figures of Ray from the Star Wars sequel trilogy in my bathtub. Um, and I did not take kindly to that. So um, shots, shots fired
1: yeah it's interesting um you could say that uh movie bob is actually pro cyclo then yeah cyclo is amazon uh-huh. and you and i are man animal mm. revolutionaries
0: yeah i i buy into that um so it doesn't
1: sound like you buy into it but thank you <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're gonna get sued by movie bob we're gonna get sued by ben shapiro we're gonna get sued by
1: scientology <laughs>
0: This 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 episode is going to fucking be the end of us, but it's worth it.
1: Hey, we got to 15. That's pretty good. Hell yeah. All right, folks. So um, we will see you in the sequel to our Battlefield Earth episode where uh, we reboot franchise pictures and, uh, and, and make Battlefield Earth the saga of the year 4000.
0: Which uh, will only be available exclusively in anime format.
1: Yes, and only if you are the top tier of Patreon subscribers to Procon, who doesn't even have Patreon.
0: <laughs> Yet. Also known as, uh, Yet. Also known as your Theon Levels. Uh, see, you next <laughs> see you next time, folks.
1: Take care.